Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. What is up, everybody? It is the Fizzle Show, where we're going to help you figure out your hair, your makeup, and all the general accessories you need in life to look like an entrepreneur. Because who wants to do the work, really, when you can just look successful? I'm Chase Reeves. I look successful. And I'm joined today by lots of successful-looking people. None of us are doing all the real work because we just hire people and we have teams and things like that. Actually, that's not the case at all. I can't even keep that going for very long <laughs> because doing web business is, is like, I keep fantasizing about being able to really, like, to really just <laughs> relax into it. And to be frank, I relax a lot in my business. If any of you saw how unproductive I was, you'd be like, oh my God, no, you're not unproductive, you're just lazy. But I can do that because I have an internet business. <laughs> Welcome to the future. This is so much of the dream of what I thought about uh, and dreamed about when I was, you know, writing in whiteout on the back of my Trapper Keeper notebooks in junior high and high school, right? So uh, it's possible. You can create a business. It's possible. You can kind of design your own lifestyle how you want to. How do you want to raise your kids? You want to do the unschool thing? You want to do however thing? You, you can read a blog post, and now you're an expert, and you can go do whatever you want with your kids in your life if, if, if we can figure out how to actually earn some revenue how to earn a sustainable living doing something that specifically, this is, our, this is our like edge here, doing something that you actually care about. We think if you're doing something you care about, it'll give you a little more energy to use in the system for those days where it's like it feels hard to get out of bed or things are not, like things go bad. Things go bad in business. Things go weird in the, in the world and in the internet and, and you, you, you're going to hit some bumps, some snags and stuff like that. And here's what we're talking about today before I intro- introduce our, our people that are on the show today because there's a good, there's a good crew today. What we're going to get into today is uh, there's a lot of people who get stuck in that mode where I've created something, I've got a thing out there, but it's not, not actually uh, paying for everything. It's not making enough money. We can't support ourselves with just that thing. So the question arises, how do we grow that thing? And how do we think about growth? And what are the specific ways that we can sort of create campaigns and put together activities to execute that will actually grow our business? So that's what we're getting into today. But first, I want to say shout out. uh, Let's say let's start with you, Aiden. Shout out to Aiden out there in Ludafisk. Where are you in the world right now? That's exactly where I am. I am in Egersund on a small island called Egeroy in Norway. I like how when you say the Norwegian words, you li- you sound like a, Nor- well, like a Norway person. That's because you're not Norwegian. <laughs> so, yeah. let's see, really. But there's see such a mode. There's such a, I'd like, I like meeting Norwegian entrepreneurs because they're like, yes, I had an idea. And then I applied myself to that idea and I was successful. <laughs> it's just like this, like real mellow, low key, straight ahead. Well, I do find it difficult to find a sexual partner. Like everything's just really like, like they're just low key. Whereas everything in high school and in the U.S. for me is always, you know, it's all very intense. And I'm going over here to Corbett Bar. To see if Steph can jump on the Skype again because her <laughs> Skype got cut off. Corbett, where are you right now in the world? Howdy, everybody. I'm, as usual, in Portland, Oregon, enjoying our beautiful summer up here. Okay. Portland's the kind of place where you just want to be here all summer, you yeah, know? Yeah. You don't want to do any traveling in the summer. Yeah. You want to just hang out here it's because magic. the weather isn't really better anywhere else. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the people have been just like grinding away through whatever seasonal this you know affective yeah. disorder that they've got it's it's a sort of a bipolar place <laughs> just <laughs> by nature of the totally weather because everybody gets really happy come may yeah. and then around october everybody starts dreading things again yeah, yeah. exactly not it's for just snow like, or whatever <laughs> but just because it gets dark and gloomy it's for the six vitamin months d straight. man yeah, Portland in summer is Friday D. afternoon. Portland all the rest of the time is Monday morning. It's like, it's kind of how it works. Okay, let's go over to Steph. Steph, are you there? Can you hear me? Can you feel me near you? I am here, and I'm very excited to be here. Hello, everybody. Oh, good. I'm so glad you're here. We are. We miss Steph so much, don't we, guys? We miss oh, Steph I, so I much. I miss you show. guys. I, this yeah. is my happy out, place. I wish I could you, just be here all the time just recording podcasts with you all just one of the dudes. Well, the thing is is we we need your perspective so much on here because you have been growing your business. And before we get into that, Corbett, who is Podia? Tell us about Podia our sponsor for the show today. We have a new sponsor today and I'm really excited about it because the way they approached me um, was very flattering because they have been fans of the Fizzle Show for a very long time, Whoa. and they were really excited to work with us and to sponsor the Fizzle Show, particularly because they've gotten to know our audience and what we talk about, and I mm. think they have a product that is an excellent fit because Whoa. Podia is essentially a Swiss army knife for selling anything you need to online. It's an all-in-one digital storefront where you can sell courses, you can sell mm -hmm. memberships and you mm -hmm. can sell digital downloads all in one place. Whoa. And the cool thing about Podia is that they eliminate all of the technical headaches. You don't have to install anything. You can host your sales pages there, your files, the checkout process. You can even do your email marketing and your newsletters directly from Podia. So again, it's like this awesome Swiss army knife for people who want to sell anything online. How, and, do, they go get, how do they get it? Well, uh, Fizzle listeners, Fizzle Show listeners can get 15% off of Podia for life by signing up for a free trial over at podia.com slash fizzle. And they have a free 14-day uh, trial with no credit card required. So you can get over there, try it out, no skin in the game, podia.com slash fizzle. And then if you decide to stick around, you get 15% off for life. And this isn't just some new fly-by-night. Podia has been around for a while and they have over 20,000 creators on their platform. So check it Whoa. out over at podia.com slash fizzle. P-O-D-I-A? P-O-D-I-A.com. Slash fizzle. All right. Thanks, Podia, for supporting indie businesses and the fizzle show. So Steph Crowder rhymes with chowder. You have oh, been building hello. your business. You, uh, like, where, where are we right now in the state? Like, you normally, I, I know, where, like, with you, I love following you on Instagram because I, I feel like I'm like involved in the actual, <laughs> the actual like, I don't know, the evolution of the business because you're putting sticky notes on the wall. You're saying like, here's yeah. the people that I'm going to sell this to. You've got multiple programs going. Where are you right now in your business? Can you kind of ground us a little bit with where Steph is right now? Yeah, well, it's been uh, a really interesting year for me. As people know, if they've heard me on the show before, I'm prepared 
preparing for my second, the debut of my second baby, our fourth family member. And mm-hmm. so, uh, that's coming at the time of this recording, like I'm about a month away actually. And so much of this year has been about, <laughs> this is like a whole separate podcast episode is like, <laughs> Hmm, how do you pay yourself for a maternity or paternity leave? And so yeah, right. much of my year has been about, uh, figuring out how that works and how I can take the time that I want to be able to take. And it's been a really, a really cool year for me to be, it's forced me to be super intentional around asking the question, what do I want my time off to look like? It's very interesting to be like 100% in the driver's seat. You know, usually when you're employed by another company, they tell you, you have this much time. And if you want more time, you can take some non-paid time and they don't really give you options. But when it's your own show, you get to decide. And so Mm. this year has been really interesting for me because it's been about kind of reverse engineering what the business needs to do from, especially from a revenue perspective to pay myself, pay my team, uh, keep the lights on and not make it appear to the outside world that I've dropped off the face of the earth. So it's been a, a interesting game of growing the business, but also, um, figuring out how to truncate, honestly, like a calendar year into about nine months worth of time. So I think when you're in a position like this and for anybody out there who I think most people will go through something like this at some point, whether it's a sabbatical or something that you you know want to take time off for, it forces you to become really shrewd and really efficient about what actually, what actually matters from a growth mm. perspective. And so, um, here we are in August and I'm in a place where I can, pretty comfortably not sell anything else for the rest of the year. And so that's really cool. But it it took a lot of diligence and planning and, uh, elbow grease (laughs) to get Mm. to this point. So it's, I think it's very much related to the topic of growth because so much of, um, figuring out how to scale a business I have found comes back to, understanding, like kind of seeing where you're like looking before you're, you leap, you know, trying to mm. see where you're, where you want to land before just frantically jumping in any one particular direction. Mm, mm, totally. Okay. I love this. Okay. So, um, Aiden, where do you have a sense of where you want us to go today in this conversation to talk about growth? Because last episode we talked about growth and we got into the mindset of it. We got into like, how much do, like, what kind of growth do you actually want? What's the right kind of growth? Because if you know what kind of growth and like what you're actually going for, what your level, your personal definition of success is, all this stuff, that helps you define the metrics and the milestones that you're going to measure those things by. And as, you know, Peter Drucker or one of these other white dudes with spreadsheets talked about, (laughs) what gets measured gets done. Okay. Uh Um, So where, where do you go in the conversation today, Aiden? Yeah, the next the very next thing is now we need to actually run some experiments. We need to to come up with some ideas um for how to grow the business, what kind of channels we're going to use, um and ultimately um make a bunch of predictions, um hopefully based off some historical evidence or some kind of research that you've done. Um and you set up one of these experiments, you execute a growth experiment and then you evaluate it, right? Um and so So I guess the first thing I'd love to talk about is just kind of, you know, the considerations that go into your brainstorms, right? So, so if there are five steps of the growth cycle that we prescribe, um, we'll get into those specifically, um, one by one, but the very first thing is, is brainstorming, you know, um, and brainstorming is, is all based on predictions for what you're hoping, uh, to have happen. 
So um, I know Corbett, you're you're kind of the the hypothesis approach maestro. Um, what do you uh you you have any new thoughts or or old thoughts on the matter of um of like certainty versus uncertainty versus things you can control versus things you can't and and that kind of thing? Yeah, well, there I think there are a um, couple of different situations in terms of when when you get to this stage. We we started out just before we recorded this, kind of you know thinking about how we were going to approach growth on the show today, and there is this place that businesses get to that we see frequently where you have an idea, you've gotten uh, connected to an audience, you built a product and you've got some sales and you, you put a little bit of scratch in your pocket and it's fun to go out to dinner and celebrate and so on. But the real dream for most of us is to be able to support ourselves and maybe to grow a little business and have a, you know, a small team and to um, be able to think and plan for the future. One of the proudest moments that I've had as a, as an entrepreneur is not just being able to support myself, but being able to go to a, a lender and show my self-employment income for the, you know, past couple of years and be able to qualify for a mortgage. Like how cool yeah. is that? Not only to be able to earn yeah. some income, but also to live like a, a regular life, you know, like somebody who's employed and not to feel like you have this stigma of being self-employed because you're yeah. earning enough, right? <laughs> Cause that's a real, that's a really hard thing to have the banks or even like an apartment complex treat your income as like real or not, yeah. a, not, yeah. not a drug dealer's income. kind of. Yeah. And, and so you need, you need some stability to show like, you know, here's, this has been stable over the past couple of years. And then also you need to get to a certain place because it's really easy in the beginning to be looking at that revenue number and to like kind of pat yourself on the back as to how much revenue your business has earned. Mm. But that's not what counts at the end of the day when you're trying to get a mortgage or, you know, an apartment or something like that. Really, it's it's the revenue minus all the expenses. And what's the bottom line? What have you been able to actually pay yourself? So in thinking about growth, obviously, there are the unicorn stories that we hear about companies, you know, that are rocket ships like Uber and so on. And they're on this crazy growth trajectory. But that's not most of us. Most of us are kind of in this early, difficult stage of we've got some money coming in the door, but then the money's kind of going out the door just as fast because we have to keep up with the the customers and we have to hire people and so on. So how do we get out of this phase and into the next, which is I'm able to pay myself comfortably, I'm able to live like a regular person, and I'm able to think and plan for the future, and then also think about, well, how do I get this thing to, to go a little bit beyond that? Mm. And um, what the way that I like to approach this, and I think the way that um, we'll talk a little bit about some resources that we have inside Fizzle, because we have one in particular that's been really helpful to you, Aiden, and to mm. others. But the general philosophy behind growth that we've taken and that I've seen the people in in startup land who are focused on growth is usually something um, involving experiments. Because when you think about your business and all of the things that you could be doing to grow your business it ends up that there are going to be like dozens of different ideas, right? You're like, well, I could uh, start a new social media channel or I could publish mm -hmm. blog posts twice a week or I could do paid advertising or I could partner with people or whatever. There's like a bunch of different things that you can do. And you can't try to do all of those things at once because you're not going to give any of them the do that they need to work out. So this becomes a matter of identifying the different things that you could do figuring out which ones have the greatest potential, 
with the least impact on your time and, and business, and then executing experiments and measuring those so that you can figure out whether or not they're worth continuing and, and trying more and more. Yeah. Mm, that's the money, man. That's the, uh, that's the juice that I have drank that you prescribed before I was even <laughs> anywhere near the fizzle team. Um, when I was just kind of a number in your forums, you know, um, so, so what, what Corb was specifically talking about is this, there's a couple sh- spreadsheets in, um, in the last phase in phase three and stage eight of the, of the fizzle roadmap. Um, the one that, that I have used a lot to, uh, just, I don't know, an amazing organized experiment kind of like checklist is this growth experiment decider spreadsheet. Um, and just to kind of summarize what this does is, is what Corbett was talking about where you have a lot of ideas, um, you can brainstorm them and then score them inside of a matrix that helps you, um, vet these by category so that, okay, you so wind hold up on, with slow a, down a, a second score. here. Slow yeah, down yeah. a second here, because I think I think you already like first first piece of of advice here is don't just come up with an idea, come mm. up with a lot of ideas, right? Brainstorming doesn't need to take a lot of time. You can just come up with a bunch of ideas, and what's great about this worksheet is that it helps you. It starts the process. There's a few of them in there, and you kind of can can keep going from there. But the the idea here is is for any listener with a with a notebook. All right, come up with like come up with five to fifty ideas of things that you could do to grow your business right and this is just just the straight ideas just like brainstorming no bad ideas the 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 old joke we used to tell is like you know being on oprah that's a that's a good idea like getting on oprah would be awesome (laughs) that's that's great that's in the spreadsheet (laughs) yeah we'll evaluate it later and one place that'll get a ding is like is what's the what's the the column that we we likelihood likelihood of this <laughs> thing actually happening. Yeah. The likelihood yeah. of being on Oprah is very low, but the, but the, uh, the impact of being on Oprah could be extremely high, at least in the short term. Right. So these balance each other out. You see that it's like, Oh, getting on Oprah. Yeah. But the likelihood's like down at one or zero, right, but the right. impact's all the way up at a five, you know? And, but then you compare that to something where the likelihood is a five and the impact is a two and it's also quick. You know, well, then it's like, well, we can do that. We can do that. Put that together in a week and a half. And now that's out there working on our behalf while we're working on something else. Another one of these ideas. Right. So what this spreadsheet is great at is hell is getting you to come up with a bunch of ideas of things to do. But then as Aiden's talking about it, help, it gives you these categories by which to evaluate or pre evaluate these individual ideas. So that then you can decide which one to actually spend your heart, your, your freaking energy on, right? Because you don't have all the energy in the world, right? And yeah, and then what I would what I would actually kind of add to that is that by scoring in these columns, the decision is made for me, so that I don't have to like think of things um, and compare them like apples to oranges. I have a lot of different criteria, and the score that all these different scores kind of total up to. It's just as simple as picking the highest score, you know, and I don't have to yeah. assign any more on, on, you know, I don't have to try and quantify anything else. It's all there. Yeah. Now, what what's so powerful about this idea, guys, is is that is I mean, in my in my view, Steph, come, you know, tell me if, if I'm wrong or if you see something different about it. I think it's powerful when we just get any any regular uh, regular old run of the mill trying to build a business person. Right. 
and we get them to go, okay, here's the deal. We're going to come up with a bunch of ideas, and then we're going to evaluate those ideas, and then we're going to choose which one we're going to actually work on. You see how each time, we, each level that we're going to make up a bunch of ideas, brainstorm. Then we're going to evaluate those ideas. We're going to rate them in that spreadsheet. <laughs> then we'll be able to clearly see like which ideas uh, actually have a higher score than others, and we'll be able to actually choose from those. So from this big t- top of the funnel thing of like, let's just throw a bunch of ideas out there. Get on Oprah, send out a tweet, like, you know, make an ebook, whatever, like it's just all this stuff. And then you get to evaluate it and you'll see which idea, by the way, I do, I use this same exact process when I finish up a big chunk of work and I'm not sure what I need to work on next. I go brainstorm a bunch of ideas of what I should work on, come up with some columns by which to categorize or I'd like to pre to evaluate those. Like, uh, is it good for the, for the growth of the business? Is it, is it fun personally and creatively? Is it, does it, it, does it, does it satisfy? Is it like interesting to me or whatever? Same kinds of columns. And then I can kind of just go like, all right, well, this is what I'm going to work on next. Or these are the first three projects that I want to finish. They have the highest score. I think this is a piece of of technology that uh, that is that it, it, when it comes to I don't know Corbin maybe you want to rant about this for a little bit but just the insight in decision making here in using this way like weighted average decision matrix like this it feels like a really really big upgrade to my life when I first saw these and it feels like a really simplifying way of getting all the crap out of my head and onto a page so that we can actually work with it. Does anybody feel passionate about this? Does anybody seen results from this besides a Aiden? It sounds like you really have, you know, well, but I, I'll jump go in for it, Steph. Yeah. I'll jump in and say, I think there's like another little micro step in here that we should address more directly, which is, I think I agree a hundred percent with all that's been said, except to say that sometimes when you put all of your ideas in a brainstorm, I see even with the columns that we have in this, in this spreadsheet, there's still a level of paralysis. Like I still Mm -hmm. see folks, you know, not necessarily being able to discern what the best bet is in the exact moment. Sometimes you Mm -hmm. can end up with 12 really great ideas and the temptation is to chase after them all at the same time. And if it's one thing that I have learned, especially over the past year, one reason why I've learned this is because I launched something. I can talk about this too. I launched something in February that really didn't go very well. And Mm. that was the first time that I had launched something that was like, okay, it's not over there. And it really stung. But of course it taught me more than all of the successes combined, which is Mm. so interesting how that happens. Um, But I think you have to start two of the uh, criteria that I feel like we always talk about at Fizzle is impact and effort, right? Mm -hmm. And just those two alone, I think you can put them together to comprise your low hanging fruit. And I think if you can start by figuring out how we talk so much about MVI minimum viable income around here. I'm of the mind, like get yourself to minimum viable income the easiest way that you can. Um, sometimes in one of these spreadsheets with our ideas, we have like the low hanging fruit gets all mixed in with like your big Oprah idea. And this is, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it is balancing short-term and long-term. And I have found every single time when my, I always, I always say when my bread is buttered, like when my bills are paid, uh, I creatively am on a different 
level, a hundred percent. Actually all, if I look at all the programs I've launched that have worked, it's when I haven't needed them to work. And so if we put ourselves in a position where, you know, maybe getting clients and maybe getting freelance work, maybe taking on virtual assistant work, maybe that is going to get you consistent monthly income with MVI. I am of the mind of like, let's go there first. Let's get that engine humming before we pursue the Oprah sized goals. Because if you are trying to go after like your big, scary launch, your fun and purposeful, your big, passionate work, and you also in the back of your mind, aren't sure if you're going to be able to put food on the table, your sit like selling energy is going to just be completely different because you need it. And when you need it, it's like people feel that. And they're like, this feels weird. It doesn't feel right. Whereas when you, like we're talking about experimentation to me, experimentation also insinuates a level of fun and playfulness. And the only way that you can detach that way is by um, putting yourself in a position where if it doesn't work, like you're not going to die. And so I think we have to, yeah, I think we have to think about low hanging fruit first before chasing after some of the big, like audacious goals. Yeah, I, I love, I love, love, love that you, that you brought that into this equation, Steph. And I think, I think, yeah, there's, there definitely requires a, a little effort column in this, um, in this spreadsheet. And there's another reason I think why what you just mentioned is, is doubly important, which is that, um, you don't start out great at running experiments. It's just like anything else. Um, you know, setting up an experiment is one thing, but running it based on the setup is something entirely different. You can have great boundaries. You can have great time constraints and financial constraints and, and, and all of that stuff. But we are always very compelled to break all those rules when the experiment, when the heat of the experiment is running. So yeah. um, I think that's a whole nother reason why picking the quick ones, you know, not only are they quick wins and not only do they help you. Um, put some energy and motivation fuel in your tank in the form of dollars. For me, that's the way it works. Um, but also it's because I don't want to try and run the Oprah experiment before I know I'm a good scientist, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, man, yeah, I, I, uh, you helped me put that together just now. So yeah, that's that. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. What do you think about this Corbett low hanging fruit um, and, and, and getting to, to those bits first? Well, a lot of productivity ends up being, um, psychological games that you play with yourself, right? Because you, you can look at a spreadsheet and decide that, well, this, you know, correlates to the activity that I predict will have the highest impact. But if you can't drive yourself to sit down in the chair and actually do that work, because, um, because it's boring or you have doubts about it, or it's the project's just simply too long, um, or you're at a place of low motivation, then it can make a lot of sense to do the stuff that is that low hanging fruit, the easy stuff to pick off. I, I mean, I love those days where, uh, you sit down and just decide to do a bunch of little tiny things that have yeah. been kind of sitting there waiting forever because oh, you just, you just knock them all out. A lot of startups so have these um, software startups have these, these days or weeks or weekends or whatever they sprints, sprints, but not just sprints, sprints, you're working on regular products or projects, but they'll have these bug fixing days or bug fixing weekends or whatever, where they just all sit down and work on all the little stuff that has kind of gone, um, you know, sitting there that, that they know they should do. And so when it comes to growth and all of the experiments and ideas that you list out, there are going to be some that, you know, you could get done in, you know, 
uh, a few hours and others that are going to take many, many weeks to do and to see any results from. And I think anything in business deserves a bit of balance there between things that you can do and hopefully see some effect from right now um, and longer term things that, you know, are more important. Sometimes those things that that you're going to work on that are short um, that you've had maybe on your list and have been hopeful about for a long time. Maybe it turns out that it doesn't work, but at least you've gotten it done and out the door yeah. quickly so that you know that maybe that's not something you should obsess about any longer. Mm. Mm. I like it. So wait, what's I, your take? What's your, yeah, keep going. I, I would, I would love at some point in this conversation to kind of talk about some real, real life experiments that we've done each of us in our businesses and and the things that have paid off and the things that haven't. Cause you know, the, 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 um, the black hole in this, this spreadsheet is like, you've got a list of 20 different things and there's no guarantee that any of those are going to work. In fact, probably 15 of them are going to be dead ends. Right. And so the, the whole point is finding the few that, that really work and then riding those to as much growth as you can squeeze out of them or until they, they stop paying off over time. And some of us in business, I think are lucky to find those growth mechanisms early. We just get lucky, right? We're like, well, I'm going to try this and you do it and it works out and that's great. But then a lot of people, um, try several things in a row that don't work out. And, and the question is like, which of those things work and which don't. And I know it's different for every business, but I would just love to hear like a, a real life, you know, experiment or something that that one of us have have tried and where it went from there let's do that you guys yeah. think about that let me let me say something really quick because i just don't think we've really grounded into this um this idea of experimentation and on the on the like episode yet this when we're talking about growth we're constantly talking about um experiments we're kind of going back and forth in that because we think that growth is this thing that you can't really predict like you you can predict as much as you're you're, you're really hoping to predict it as much as possible but like steph said when she launched something and realized like oh this isn't it like this is <laughs> this is not right. where like sometimes you just learn different you just like like the real the real world reacts differently than uh you anticipated it to so that's why we think of growth in terms of this brainstorming a bunch of potential experiments, evaluating those, or maybe pre-evaluating those is a better term based on like, you know, how much impact is it going to have? How much effort, how much, how much time is it going to take? Whatever all you can come up with your own things to, to navigate and, and criticize those ideas by basically, or you can use our, uh, what, what do we call this? This is our fizzle growth experiments decider. It's a template inside of the roadmap you can get it in the growth stage. And uh, if you're not a fizzler right now, you can try fizzle anytime for free for five weeks when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. Okay, so this might be a great time for you to jump in there, take some courses, try stuff out. You can get a lot done in five weeks. And you might just want to stick around because it's not exactly going to break the bank. And it's not exactly going to not upgrade your life as an entrepreneur to have <laughs> friends in the forums and right. feedback on your idea and actual projects that you're doing with with other alongside others. Right. So I just want to I want to just kind of make sure you know that word experiment like we're experimenting with things because we have this process you might have heard a couple times already in the roadmap conversations where it's like we're going to experiment and then we're going to evaluate. Right. We're going to try stuff out and we're going to see how it went. This kind of rinse and repeat, keep going one foot in front of the other kind of thing is is how 
is just like that's our that's our hypothesis is that if we can get you doing that, you can get you becoming successful. <laughs> If we can get you putting one foot in front of the other again and again and again, going from experiment to evaluation and back again, rinse and repeat, then there's this chance that you'll just get a momentum of this going. You won't be so attached to the results of any one experiment that you miss out on the next experiment on the list, which actually is the one that produces the growth for you, right? Um, It's this kind of of just, you know, it's like a it's like the mindset of a of a through hiker. Like you're hiking 4000 miles. You don't know when you're getting to the destination. It's not even helpful to think about getting to the destination. <laughs> yeah. You're just going day to day to day, right? And that that's really useful because I think um uh, a lot of people will get stuck after an experiment fails. Totally. Right? right? Uh-huh. Because they, they don't have that long-term vision for it and the fact that this may just take a bunch of trial and error and um we could get lucky and we might find something that works right away or this could be a slog for the next 18 months or whatever trying to find something that works and um that's that's just that's a great vision to have chase for your business in general but especially when it comes to trying to grow it yeah yeah i think there's uh you just kind of added a third reason to to try this short fast cheap experiments which is to build resiliency for failure you know because one of the one of the coolest things um that i realized when you know and we can get into this when we talk more about the actual experiences it's just that you're not made of glass like you can have some pretty whopping failures and still feed yourself you know um i mean mm-hmm. maybe we're not taking different sized risks each each one of us but when you take a small risk and it goes the worst way it could possibly go and you're friends are still there and your wife is still there or your husband is still there and your kids are still there. It's like, okay, just dust yourself off. And, and you got a lot of, you have a lot more of these tries, you know, that mm-hmm. was a bruise. That's not a broken bone. That's not a crippling effect. This is just a bruise and it sucks. But, um, but that's all it is. Yeah. And I like that mindset just because you guys, we don't know what's going to work. You don't know what's going to work. Your market doesn't know what's going to work. Listen, There are people out there who have been doing this for a long time, and they're smart, and they're bright. I don't know why I'm turning into Trump right now. I, (laughs) for some reason, I'm like, I'm like, they're great. They're great. You love them. They're good people. These are good people. But you, there are people out there who, who can actually kind, like, they, they just have the experience or the taste or the something, and they can kind of predict what's going to work. They can make things happen. They have the golden touch. And even them, I would say Steph is someone like that. And even Steph will put out a project or, a, or, or reach for something, and it's like, oh, no, you get the feedback from the environment that's like, nope, we're not going with you there. Right. It's like, oh, crap. There's so much that you learn over time. You actually are, your job is not actually to be smart. Your job is to be doing things and learning your intelligence over time. You will not lose that intelligence if you do it like that. If you go read a bunch of blog posts right now and about like what kind of growth things you can do, you're going to come up with a bunch of ideas. You're going to hear what's worked for other people. You're going to you're going to probably get some ideas that you never even thought about before. It's great. You're putting stuff in there. 
But the chances of that working on your particular business where you're helping people like, you know, whatever, draw up tattoos on themselves every day with Sharpie markers. And for some reason, your email list keeps growing. Like, I, I don't know what you're doing for a living. That's probably that's probably not the best example of someone listening to this podcast. But the idea is that if you if if you just try things from other markets, if you try things that other people have said, if you live like you're not the one who actually has the relationship with the audience then you're just going to be kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall and waiting for something to stick right so one of the things i want you to remember in all of this growth stuff is is you are 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 like the business stuff is so simple there's somebody who has a problem they really want it solved Okay, if your business is not focused on a problem that someone really wants solved, like there's a there's there's your first growth hack. Find a problem that people actually want to solve. Right. This is the because that relationship right there, especially if you've had uh, uh, if you have had that same problem. Right. If you've had that itch and you just can't get to it it's in the middle of your back, you don't have the shoulder range mobility. You can't quite get there. Right. Then you know what it feels like. Right. When you can really get into the feeling of of who the person is on the other side of the internet that has this problem and they really don't care about you and they don't they're not looking to interact with a new brand man they're not looking they they are wanting someone to solve their problem they want the problem to go away they want to be able to take a pill and it's gone that just seems to be something that in modern life we're all wanting but if you're trying to help them scratch that itch on the back there might not be a pill that you have for that it might be something else for it right and something that really works. So when you're thinking about growth and when you're thinking about content, when you're thinking about any of this stuff, just remember how human these interactions really are. There's mm-hmm. someone with a problem. They need it solved, right? Well, you like get involved with that. Like, does your back, does the middle of your back itch and you sometimes can't reach? It's like, yeah. Do you wish that Obama was still president? Yeah. Do you, <laughs> whatever it is, right? You're finding the thing where they are, by the way, please don't just, <laughs> Don't say, do you wish Obama was still present? These are jokes, right? But it's a way that we're, we as the entrepreneur, we're like an artist of understanding the pain, the actual problem, because we have to be so slick, so smooth, so easy, so natural, so undesperate, and so, uh, so uh, forthcoming and honest in our own way about how we how we give that solution to them, how we're talking to them about the solution, right? How we're, how we're sliding that into their life. I don't know. That's kind of a rant on, on mostly just regular old, like sales writing and copywriting and sales type stuff. But, um, I think that there's a big, I think that there's like, when you're thinking about growth stuff, it can be really, you can come up with a lot of fresh ideas that nobody's ever had before. And and that probably wouldn't work on anybody else's audience, but they might work for yours because you really know your audience if you really do. Right. So just remember that when you're doing the growth stuff, because uh, sometimes it can feel like there's a lot of right answers out there. And you're sort of dumb for trying something that's not on like, you know, growthhacker.biz's list of 197 things you can do to grow your business by 200% today, right? <laughs> Did you like how that just kept going? <laughs> <laughs> so I am, I do want to come back to this thing, Corbett, of like getting into some uh, examples of how yeah. experiments that we've run. What, what does, does anything come to mind for you? Yeah, well, um, 
that one of the things that comes to mind here is that it's really important to track these as experiments and and it's useful to maybe create a, a doc or something for each of these that you do so that you understand okay what was the situation what was the thesis what did we try what how did things look before and how did things look after so that two years later or three years later when you're looking back on all the things that you've done you can say aha that actually was working pretty good or that was working better yeah. than other things. Mm. So one of the things that we've done, um, and you know, I'd love to say that we've been perfect about this and we haven't necessarily, um, but we do have evidence that we can look back. You can, you can dig up uh, Google analytics, for example, Google analytics has a good, um, mechanism for tracking, uh, page value. And so you can go back and look at campaigns that you've run. If you tagged those campaigns and mm. see, uh, which ones, you know, have the greatest payoff for us, uh, as we look back, you know, we, we see obviously that the podcast has been very valuable to us because it's driven a lot of signups. The blog has been very valuable to us. Social media has been horrible um, overall in terms of direct <laughs> value, but but of course, sometimes there's intangible value. But the thing that really stands out for us that has worked time and time again and that we have gotten away from um, is partnerships. And that is simply finding a reason for you to reach out to someone else who already has an audience and make it a win-win situation where you can say, hey, I've got um, this product. I think it would be great for your audience. Uh, and I'd love to do something with you, whether that means coming on your podcast or writing something for your blog or um, coming up with some sort of webinar or series that we could do for your people. And in exchange, we'll pay you, you know, X percent of of commissions or something that that we earn from that. And we've just seen that work really well over and over again, because mm. When you're building your own audience, um, if that audience isn't consistently growing week or month after month, then it's you can saturate that audience with offers over time, and and they just come be kind of become uh, blind or deaf to whatever it is that you're saying. You know, we we've had longstanding offers on the podcast, and and it works when the podcast is growing, and when it's the same people listening over and over again, obviously. Um, they're not nearly as receptive to it. So when you work with someone, when you partner with someone, you're tapping into a new audience that hasn't heard of you before. So that mm. can work really, really well. And um, that's just something that that really stands out for us when we look back at the different growth experiments we've done. Yeah, it's almost like uh, the way you laid those some of those things out. It's almost like there's like there's a there's a set of like kind of categories of places where like places where you can run experiments. There's already out like like the like social media. There's a place you can run experiments, right? So you can almost go like, okay, what are we doing in social media? What are we doing in partnerships? What are we doing in uh, web content? What are we doing in podcasting? What are we doing on, on YouTube? Like there's a, you can think about what are the like channels, think of these, each of, each of these as channels um, and, and kind of come up with ideas of stuff to try based on, on the channel. That's what I'm hearing from that. But you know what? Partnerships, man, partner, I tell you what. It's like the person who can who can get good at using at actually using the phone and, and it's like if you have a question and like a client has a question you actually call them and you just get like from the horse's mouth like hey what's the deal let me get on the same page with you about this like what do you what are your concerns okay really if you get good at working the phone like that business just improves if you get good at working partnerships 
Like there's always opportunities for partnerships and YouTube. We call them collaborations or collabs, right? It's the best way we know to grow our channel is I, I'll do something on your channel. You do something on my channel. Everybody gets exposure or something, right? Um, social media. You'll hear people talk nonstop about social media. Half the world is getting uh, less than half the world is getting lots getting decent growth. And, and the rest of us are, are, are just kind of like trying to figure out what the hell we're talking about and to who, (laughs) you know? So, (laughs) so finding out, um, I mean, listen, listen, how long has fizzle been in business? Like seven years we started seven years ago. That's the very beginning of it. And it's still going because, and and social media has always been a little bit of a dud for us. Like we auto tweet things probably still. And, and there was an Instagram (laughs) attempt at some point (laughs) that just like, it's like another thing you have to keep doing. And if you're not seeing the results, like why would you keep doing it? So you, you try stuff out and then if it doesn't work, you, you, you get to be a, it's this balance of like you're cutthroat enough, but it's not about being cutthroat. It's about the health of the business itself. It's about the health of my baby. It's like the health of my organism here that I'm like, okay, if social media isn't it right now or Instagram isn't it right now, where is it? Well, and Are you going to say something, Corbin? Yeah, I mean, it's partly also about um, just the reality that you don't, you can't do everything all at once. You, you yeah. know, you, you have limited time, and so you want to put your time um, in the most effective places. Now, I, I will say that just because an experiment works or doesn't work for our, our business and us doesn't mean it wouldn't for someone else. And you see evidence of this all the time. It's like, uh, how you run the experiment and the nature of your business and who you are in particular will determine the success of a growth channel for you. Mm, and mm-hmm. so for us, if Instagram doesn't work, it's probably because that's not where our people are. That's not where our hearts are. That's not where, um, you know, the kind of business that we're trying to run is likely to thrive. But that doesn't mean that that's not an incredible channel for other people. Like Steph might beg to differ that Instagram, you know, can be a, a really useful channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Steph, what, what kind of experiments uh, that you like? Can you think of experiments that you've run or things oh, you've God, tried yeah. in the past for growth? <laughs> <laughs> totally. And, you know, I wrote something down as all of you have been talking that I think it just really rings true for me, which is that good experimentation requires vulnerability. That's really what come, what I keep coming back to over and over again. Sometimes Aiden was sort of talking about the bruised feeling that can come up when you experiment and it goes wrong. I've seen a lot of my students and clients put something out there and immediately they shrink back and they're like, Oh my God, it didn't work. I'm so mortified. I'm going to go find the closest hole I can bury myself (laughs) in. (laughs) And the truth of the matter is like, it's actually the last thing that you need to be doing. Mm. Um, good experimentation. We talk about this lot, a lot around here that experiments require curiosity, right? Well, curiosity requires that you be vulnerable. And, uh, it means that you might have to admit to people that you don't have it all figured out. And I think that can be really challenging when you're trying to position yourself as an authority. I think sometimes we confuse that with having all the answers. So when I think of my experiments that have gone well versus those that haven't, it's, I've been misguided and gone off track when I've put something out there and said, this is it. And you either like it or you don't. And that's, that's final, you know, whereas I'm actually thinking most recently for me here, literally in the month of August, I had like a little bit of time left before this maternity leave. And I was like, well, 
I could use like a little bit of a cash injection before I go on maternity leave. (laughs) What can I do? And I just reached out to my people. I didn't even put it in my email list. I didn't go on social media. I actually went to my current, like my students who bought my program crickets to customers. And I said, Hey guys, if I were to put together like an August coaching group, uh, first of all, is anybody into that? And secondly, will you help me co-create it? And there's this one day I like, I, this was so instructive for me. I had like seven Facebook messenger windows open and I was just <laughs> talking to people and I had my sales page up like on another window. And I was just like, tell me what would make this a no brainer. And that process of co-creating an experience for my people. Um, I got seven people into this coaching program with me and I did zero basically zero selling. Um, Mm. like people out there who follow me on social media, like wouldn't even know that I'm doing this. And this ended up being like an easy 10 K in revenue for my business. And it's going to make my maternity leave a hell of a lot easier. And so I, I mentioned all of that because let me tell you, when I thought about what can I do for coaching in August? My idea of what I would have put on that page was completely different than mm-hmm. what people told me was important to them. And so that my ability, like, but you have to be willing to be wrong. I mean, I was wrong. Right. And so, um, sometimes I think there's an unwillingness to, to be proven wrong because we really want it to work the way that we have it in our heads. And so mm-hmm. if we can get past that and recognize like, Hey, the co-creation process can actually really help us be successful. Mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a lot to be gained in, in putting those, you know, those ideas of experimentation as well as co-creation vulnerability together in the same environment. Mm. Oh, I like that. I like that. I, I mean, I love, I love that, that example because, because I just, I, I think these, these group programs, these group courses, this ability to kind of like just drum up, uh, you know, some specific, I love the idea of like coaching just for August. You know, it's like you just happen to find yeah. someone at the end of summer before school starts or whatever. It's like, hey, who wants to just take this month? Like really see Like give us. Yes. Give it as, as much of a go as possible. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. OK, what are, where are we at now? We've got some real life experiments. Aiden, you have anything to add to the real life experiments? I do. I do. And, and before we get too, too far off, I just wanted to remind everybody that in this very same phase in step five of stage eight of phase three. Um, we're talking about all the growth channels, right? There's 19 of them. You guys did two episodes on this back in the early one hundreds. So check out episode one Oh seven, check out Mm. episode one Oh eight for, you know, marketing channels to grow your small business. They're all there. So, um, and I think to, to Steph's point, that's killer because what you can what you can start realizing is if you are maybe be sensitive, if you're recoiling from one of these channels, Maybe that's saying something about some uh, some vulnerability that might actually deliver some very surprising results. Like, what's an example of some of the channels? Like we talked about social media. We talked about uh, uh, like like e- email. Even we didn't even met, but like podcast. Are there other channels that you can uh, holler out real quick just to give yeah. people a sense of? I mean, we've got we've got uh, search engine marketing, um, display ad network, banner ads, mm-hmm. trade shows, mm-hmm. offline ads, publicity stunts, public relations, viral marketing. Um, mm-hmm. There's 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 so many. I mean, there's there's 19 here. You guys get into to more of them, and then arguably there are there are many many more that have even been created since this was made. You know, Instagram stories, yeah. Snapchat, um, things like that. Um, what is it? Twitch. There's lots and lots of new ones too. And I think they're, they're ever, they're ever growing. Um, but also, you know, we don't want to, uh, 
we don't want to get um, paralyzed with the options because, as we mentioned prior, uh, you know, and at the end of actually this section in, in the decision time, it says, you know, um, are you going to double down on the channels that are currently working or are you going to pursue new ones? So mm. I would always recommend um, to, to be at least pretty confident that you've squeezed as much water from whatever rock you're trying to get the water out of before mm. you try something new. You know, you don't want to yeah. leave money on the table, especially if it's on a platform that you're already familiar with. Mm. Um, and you actually might be that's mixing great... metaphors there. Aiden. I, I, I don't know <laughs> if you can squeeze water from a rock. Well, you can do it here in Norway because all the rocks oh. here, <laughs> sopping, sopping wet. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> there's a lot of fewer so words what, trickling through. What, what about some, uh, like, what do you think of, does anything come to mind for you, Aiden, when you're thinking of growth experiments like this and, and any story in particular come out? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can just in a nutshell, tell the founding of my company, which was, we were, we had a theory that creative entrepreneurs and small businesses um, mostly freelance kind of web designer types, designers, filmmakers, um, wanted to enhance their sales, um, ability by, um, you, by visiting one of our workshops, by learning how we facilitate workshops and then doing that for their clients too, as kind of like a, a first phase of any creative project, right? We had this theory that teaching creatives to do that, they would spend money on that. Um, and then, and then that would help them. Um, to our kind of dismay, we ran a workshop in New York. Uh, it was called the Vitals Workshop, and um, we had to beg people to come. <laughs> we had to, we had to, uh, you know, in the eleventh hour, create a free Eventbrite page. Um, you know, get, get on our personal network, find out who was in New York. This was silly. We no, nobody's from New York. Well, my partner was, but from upstate. Um, needless to say, we ended up losing lots of money on this um, on this workshop that we facilitated. But as a result of this workshop, um, we had one attendee turn into the very first client that launched our business. Um, so what we realized is that the freelance creatives, at least that were in our network, didn't have the ticket nor the interest in paying for these services. But for every seven or eight people, um, that attended a workshop for free, there was going to be one high paying client. So, so that was an interesting lesson that felt like a bruise that turned into a success that we then duplicated by yeah. having, uh, the next year, a free workshop in Arizona with similar results with, um, you know, spending money on it. Uh, we quantified what we were willing to, you know, lose completely to have a fun experience. Um, and the same thing happened. We were able to land another client out of that. So, um, what started as a failed experiment was then duplicated and had the same success that was accidental the first time, but on purpose the second time. So that was kind of fun. Um, we haven't done that again, but um, it's definitely on our radar. It's on our list. It's just not, you know, the score is not, not the top scoring one. <laughs> I love it. I mean, there's so many creative ways to get some stuff out there. There's so much creative uh, potential out on the internet because there's just regular people everywhere. Like, just like you, just like you, we're just looking for another link to click something that's going to solve a problem. We want that. Like some people want to click links that are, that are like going to make them smarter. And some people want to click links that are just going to entertain them. And some people want to click links that are going to like help them know something about some NBA player. If you notice these people, they just, they want to know everything about the sports teams. <laughs> like they just, Corbett sometimes <laughs> can be big, one of those people. Yeah, it's big money. <laughs> 
That's totally big money is knowing about, you know, Muggsy Bogues or something. Oh, Muggsy. Mostly it's all people who are still playing. Great, thanks. Now I've got a whole research project this afternoon. <laughs> so, so listen, here's, my, here's, here's what I think we've covered today. We've covered that not everybody has rocket ship growth. All right. We all fantasize about we like it. Okay, we've read we've read a Forbes article and we can see that <laughs> Uber's doing this and so maybe my I'm gonna make an ebook on, you know, how to organize your home office and then we're gonna see the same sort of thing. You know what? Most of the businesses out there have a kind of steady growth with effort modality. And by the way, the whole unicorn thing growing like that, <laughs> do a little more digging. It's <laughs> It's not like it's I mean, some companies are really profitable, but like, you know, Amazon still isn't even profitable. It's it's crazy talk. But the a lot of these companies, they have tons of money that they're getting from venture capitals and and capitalists and investors. And they're spending so much money to get you in front of their app or in front of their whatever their product is. Right. Well, you don't have that money. You don't have that to spend. You probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you did, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to do steady growth with effort. And what we're, a, a, you know, a signal, a beacon of the, the, the fact that it, is, it can be successful to just steadily grow your business over time. What's fascinating about this is you cannot do all things at once. You cannot try all your growth modes at once. You cannot try all your experiments at once. So we need a way to... Uh, to decide which one we're going to work on right now. And the best way we know for that is what Steph summarized it really easily by just looking at what is the impact versus the effort of these individual tasks now, uh, or these experiments. What, what we talked about for a lot of the show is this, um, this, this resource we have called the growth experiment decider spreadsheet. All right. Now, like I said, it's in fizzle, it's in the growth stage. You can go get it. Uh, if you're a fizzler, if you're not a fizzler, you can do fizzle.co slash try five and you can get in there for free for five weeks. Highly recommend you take some courses uh, while you're in there and maybe hang out in the forums a little bit, ask some questions, get some feedback. So we can't do everything at once. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to look at like we like the idea of brainstorming quite a bit of stuff just so you get all that crap out of your head. And you don't have those those things like in the back of your head like, oh, yeah, don't forget, we could also try that. And that like gets in the way of what you're currently working on. So we make this spreadsheet, get it all out, and we evaluate those uh, those ideas or pre-evaluate them based on, you know, how likely are they to happen? What's the impact they're going to have? How much effort? How much time? How much money? Right? Whatever the ways that you think you need to, to evaluate those on, we have a bunch in the document for you. What's great about this is now you have a way to sort... All those ideas you had for how to grow your business, you can sort them by what is the most, uh, what is the, the like across the board, the most valuable ideas are at, you can make those at the top first and then you can just pick one and then do it. Right. Or maybe you look at the top five and you go, which is my, which is the one that I want to go inside of here. I love what Steph brought up about low hanging fruit about the fact that sometimes it's not like, like the, the Oprah ideas, the big ideas, the starting a new podcast, the creating a new product end up being so exciting that we don't, uh, you know, we don't give good, we don't give good time to other more low hanging fruit that might be more valuable over time for us. So don't forget about the low hanging fruit, but mo- no matter what it is in growth, one of the big mindset shifts is treating it like an experiment. Okay. 
What was the situation? What's the situation? What's the hypothesis? What are you going to try? What do you think's going to happen? And then you can check it out afterwards. Like what did happen? And if you get into this mode, this mindset of one foot in front of the other experimenting like this, well, now you're like a through hiker of business. You know, through through hikers hike like 4,000 miles, right? So we're not looking at the destination. We're one, one day at a time. And if you can get your business to that, like Steph was saying, getting to that MVI number, minimum viable income, then there's a lot of open country for you to take especially once you get into having your own little rhythm of doing these sort of growth experiments. That's my summary. Does anybody have anything else to say before we sign off here and let these lovely folks get back into, you know, whatever spreadsheet they have open on their 1500 tabs on Google Chrome or whatever. Any, any closing remarks, Steph, anybody? I think the only thing I would say is just don't forget that, uh, I think what you don't have you guys seen maybe on Instagram or just on the internet, those sort of cartoons that people have made of like an iceberg and all you see is what's above the water and it's like overnight success. And then underneath the water, Mm. there's like sleepless nights and 10,000 emails and six failed podcasts and debt and all this stuff. I think we, we, that certainly rings true for me. Like you don't, I'm not necessarily, I try to keep it real, but I'm not going around sharing absolutely everything that I've tried, uh, the blood, sweat and tears a hundred percent of the time. I don't think anybody can fully show that. And so it's important to just remember that I think behind every like inspiring origin story, there's a whole lot of failed experiments. And Mm. for me, the quicker you can get comfortable with the idea that, uh, in the sales world, we always used to say like every no you get takes you closer to a yes. And so the more you can get comfortable with that, just being a part of the game, I think the faster you will be able to find success. So I don't know. Mm. That's just sort of what I tried to keep at the top of my mind. I love it. I love it. Anyone else? I love the idea of failing your way to success and tracking those failures for the value and lessons. And you know me, I love also just as soon as you have a success, you've tracked the experiment and you know how to do it again. Mm. And that's the worst thing you can do is have that success and not know how to do it again. So if you're tracking as much as you possibly can, um, yeah, you can, you can come to terms with failure faster and you can duplicate success faster. That's all. Mm. Love it. Corb last words. Well, just, just for like a little bigger picture context, um, starting a business is a risk, right? It's, it's, uh, a risk that you take because you believe that there are some rewards on the other side and, experiments that you run in terms of growth are kind of like a a little microcosm of the bigger risk that you take in starting a business because each of these growth experiments are risky. You don't know if they're going to pay off. If spending your time and potentially money on pursuing this growth experiment is going to lead anywhere. So you have to think of it like you think of your business, come up with a hypothesis, um, order these hypotheses in in um, in the order in which you believe that they're most likely to pay off and then pursue them methodically and have a, a point at which you judge whether or not they're worth continuing. And um, if you do that and you're good at organizing things and, and running these experiments and giving them the enough, enough time to make sure that they're working or not, but also uh, short enough time that you can cut them off if, if uh, you're spending time that and money that you shouldn't be, then um, you'll find something eventually that works. And those things will be the future of your business. 
Oh, my goodness. There it is, folks. The lessons from on high from all of our experts on our panel here today on growing your independent business. Because why not? <laughs> I will, if I, Given the choice between not growing it and growing it, I will choose uh, growing it. Thank you very much. I grow my own. So... Uh, grow your own. Again, fizzle.co slash try five. You can get in there. You get five weeks for free. Uh, it is, you're going you're gonna to love these courses. You know, the hardest thing about online learning is not <laughs> making good course material. It's actually uh, you doing the work. <laughs> this is what all the online training things have found is that people find it very difficult to self-motivate, to lead self-learning. Don't be like that. Try like set your calendar events. Get your get your hours in in mind for when you're planning on on educating yourself and growing yourself. When you're planning on working on this thing, you can put an hour uh, a month, even but an hour a week into just some growth experiment mode, and be crazy to see what you come up with. Uh, find all the show notes on this episode at fizzleshow.co/slash three thirty two. Thanks for listening. Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in, y'all. We'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. Bye-bye.